Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Poisoner's Cabinet. We are your hosts. I'm Sinead. Hello, I'm Nick. And this is a podcast that explores the beguiling world of poisoners and their practices from across the ages. Also creates curious cocktails and proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that your loved ones are trying to kill you. We'll look at the poisons that were involved in some of your favourite poisoning cases. And all the while we will try and find ingredients that can inspire a new cocktail each week that we will enjoy and that we hope that you will enjoy as well. How are you, Nick? I'm very well. Not trying to kill you today. Not, Not today. But later. Later, absolutely. Later. <laughs> Have you had a good week? Any poisonings taking place? Not that I'm aware of. Who knows? Who knows? But Who so, knows? So far, so good. So far, so good. Say, so far, so good. So, Nick, why are we doing this? We got very drunk one evening <laughs> and decided it was an excellent idea. But we've got a. We've always had a sort of a shared love of all things, I suppose, Victorian and steampunk Victorian, and those macabre, definitely macabre, and cocktails and cocktails. A so... lot of cocktails going on over the past few years. So it's a fantastic opportunity to mix two passions. And Nick will always be your resident master mixologist. He is the person with the knowledge of the cocktails. We should say a disclaimer that these are real cases of murders. We do not seek to hero worship any murders involved or murderers. We are just looking at the cases as they come. We are interested and fascinated by it, but don't take it as any kind of endorsement that murder is fun and that those who have died deserve to. But maybe they did. Let's say not. Let's say not. Let's say not. On the safe side. So are you ready to drink cocktails and talk about poison? Always. Or drink poison and talk about cocktails? We can do either. Let's go with the first one. Wonderful. So each week we discuss a different poisoning story. Uh, But we also, to give it a twist, create a cocktail inspired by the story we're about to tell. There's always a key ingredient that we use, and I hand over to our master mixologist, Nick, to create a cocktail that will correspond nicely and accompany our story that we can enjoy, because we may as well enjoy this with a drink, seeing as a lot of these stories are quite dark and depressing and charming. <laughs> so, Nick. Hello. I gave you quite an odd mystery you ingredient did. this you week. Did. The mystery ingredient was Dundee cake. See, not a lot of cakes made into cocktails. No, and not so much an ingredient. I'll not, give you yes, that. Yes, that is true. So there, it's good because there are many ingredients in a Dundee cake, something that you can work with. So I went with almonds. Oh, almonds. Yes, I went Interesting. with almonds. I thought it, that works. I mean, there's always a bottle of amaretto in the cupboard. 
It's always one. always a bottle of Amaretto. In, in your cupboard? Most certainly. Ooh, fancy cupboard. Most certainly. People listening to this going, there's nothing in my cupboard apart from mustard and uh, Kahlua. You need a better cupboard. I think that's a wonderful cupboard. <laughs> so, yeah, so we've gone with Amaretto. So I have made you, I'm slightly hesitant, I've never made it before, it's a bit random, we've gone for an almond martini an almond martini i'm slightly terrified because i'm not a huge fan of almond anyway i love the sound of this well there we go i love anything with almonds in it i love a martini it's two of my perfect worlds (laughs) smashing together in a glass (laughs) in a terrifying horrible way in a terrifying way also though we should point out that almonds also this is uh the, the key aroma and taste of cyanide yes so enjoy <laughs> okay so almond martini <laughs> almond martini we're we gonna go. try it for the okay. first time ever okay. I mean, oh I good god find that deeply unpleasant <laughs> <So>. <laughs> oh that is that is strong Nick. It's, well it's martini martinis the, are generally are strong i know but i mean there's a limit i mean there's there's a, 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 a yummy lovely you're, you're, thank you, you by the way you the one really wouldn't you it is oh god that's potent i mean i'm going for a second sip just you know for for research and for the benefit of our listeners yeah you'd oh god yeah you get all of the martini burning alcohol and then you get the the real hit of the almonds from the amaretto Um, it's growing on me actually oh really yeah the second sip i think it's a bit like a negroni sort of thing the first one is just like it turns your face inside out and it's horrible but then it grows on you and this one Ah, I could get used to it, I think. See, this is where you and I differ on cocktails. Because you have a penchant for cocktails that you taste and you go, Oh God, kill me! in the first sip. And then you're like, Oh no, it's not so bad. I don't think you should want to die when you first sip a cocktail. I think you should just go... You're missing out, you really are. (laughs) um, I am starting to think there's cyanide in this. No, there's not. There's not. We have an exciting combination of vodka, dry martini, dry vermouth, and amaretto. And a lot of shaking. The third sip, it's... It's still just as terrible. (laughs) <laughs> this is our relationship with cocktails and this is why we started this and this is why we, we will die young I think actually is with the sort of people that rather than take a sip of a cocktail go oh no 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 I won't you just sort of sit there going oh it's awful still drinking it I've made it now so, I'm not yeah. throwing it away I mean that's good alcohol in exactly. there exactly <laughs> okay it is well if anyone is interested in uh, in making an almond martini and do try it try it at home everyone's palates are different everyone's penchant for poison is it's a differing scale we will put the recipe up on our facebook page so you can recreate this at home good i'm glad you didn't ask me because i can't remember exact quantities you just <laughs> threw alcohol into well, a no, shaker I, didn't. I followed a recipe anyway almonds or dundee cake i'm assuming someone poisoned someone or dundee cake went horribly rotten or something ah so well. i'm intrigued by a tale of dundee cake so we have almonds you would think that would link to cyanide. You would. But no, not in this case. But the Dundee cake is at the centre of this week's story. This week's story concerns the case of Dr George Henry Lamson, also known as the Wimbledon Poisoner. And his connection with Dundee cake will all become clear very, very soon. Was he Scottish? He was not Scottish. So George Lamson was American-born, born not in Scottish. 1852. He is weirdly loosely related to Alexander Hamilton. Of musical fame. Of musical fame. Excellent. He, he was. I think it was his paternal great-grandfather or great-uncle or great-mother was, was Alexander mother. Hamilton. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it was a great-mother. 
So Dr. Lamson served in the Franco-Prussian War. He was decorated. He received the Legion of Honour for his service um, throughout his military career. He was an army surgeon. He had a very highly respected military career. The reports say he certainly helped cut death rates in the conflict, but uh, the ravages of war took their toll on Dr. Yes, and Dr. Lamson. And maybe not unexpectedly, given that he was a doctor and he had access to certain drugs, he developed a morphine habit. Sweet Lady M. Yeah, so you're the only one I know who calls it that. Well, it's uh, you weren't around in the Victoria era, and true. it was a popular phrase I've made up. <laughs> Excellent. Exactly. So poor Dr. Lamson at the time, he developed uh, a terrible morphine addiction. It started there in the war, but he was confident that his fortunes would turn around so he came over to England he moved to Bournemouth in 1878 uh you may have visited Bournemouth it's a seaside town in England it's it's okay I think back in the day it was terribly trendy back in the day it was the place for high society it was incredibly fancy and for a handsome chap from New York oh he would have been highly sought after by the ladies and that was where he met his future wife Katie John now in Bournemouth he tried to make a respectable career for himself oh he tried Oh, he tried. He 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 was a doctor, and, and he's still addicted to morphine. He's still addicted to morphine. This is going to cause some problems. This was going to cause some problems because he wanted to set up a medical practice. He was able to because of his wife's money. You see, he'd married well, and she had some cash on her, so he was able to set up his medical practice. He was able to start, but the money quickly disappeared. I wonder why. <laughs> hmm, he seemed to be using a lot of the supplies for himself, some say, and his addiction started to spiral. And soon, Lamson was running up debts all over town and beyond. The creditors were knocking at his door. He tried, as he might, to keep his business going. He came into some good fortune again by slightly tragic means. His brother-in-law died, and he inherited £700. Because at the time, if his wife stood to inherit, he would also get a hold of the money as well. His wife had several siblings. They were all due inheritances. They were all due trust funds. So when one of the siblings died, he would benefit. So again, he had money, tried to set up a new business it failed he even tried to go back to america for a time in 1881 to try and revive his fortunes did not work out because he returned penniless and he had to borrow five pounds off a fellow surgeon on the ship home that's how bad things had gotten that's that's not so good oh a generous surgeon on the way home though oh, well, a generous surgeon yes that's just five pounds was a hell of a lot of money it was it was a considerable sum it wasn't an unconsiderable Imagine sum the amount of morphine you could buy with that oh god that was probably all he was thinking of <laughs> maybe maybe at that point he wasn't so gripped with the addiction that he was probably <laughs> scratching himself and tearing out his hair and was in rags going I just need a five man hopefully that wasn't the possibly case possibly not like that I well think. possibly not like that he was a doctor so he was a surgeon he had a degree of respectability about him so people were more patient with him they thought okay fair enough well he's he's setting up his business and we'll give him a bit of leeway but the creditors were starting to get annoyed with he's him he's a respectable chap but he's down on his luck he's down on his luck but as he came back from america he really had run out of options every single practice he started or every business venture he started was failing because of his morphine addiction and it's around this time that his mind turned to murder <laughs> so that was very dramatic i know <laughs> Well, you can't say, like, murder. Like murder. Like, murder. Oh, murder. In Bournemouth. That's not the accent of Bournemouth, is it? <laughs> but he's American. But, uh, mur- mur- uh, I can't do it. I know it's from New York. Not. But yes, his thoughts did turn to murder. As I said, he'd run out of options, but there was one option left for him. His wife's younger brother, Percy, aged 18. And this is where the story starts to get quite sad. See, Percy was confined to a wheelchair. 
he had a curvature of the spine. He had a condition that he was uh, that left him with paralysis, I believe, down half of his body. He wasn't well. There were thoughts that maybe he wouldn't live to see his 21st birthday when he would come of age. But Percy was a very happy young man. He tried to keep fit. He was very positive and he so loved Lamson. He really admired him. This is going to have a horrible ending. It might not. It will. <laughs> so Percy was due to come into quite a sizable inheritance on his 21st birthday, about £3,000. And should he not reach his 21st birthday, then all of the money then would pass to his sister, Kate, and in turn, Dr. Lamson. Now, one of the really sad things about this case as well is that Percy, as we said, may not have been long for the world. There are varying reports about what, how ill he was, but he certainly wasn't well. There was one report that I read that there was also another caveat that Percy was also supposed to be married as well in order to come into his inheritance, but that didn't look likely. So again, if Lamson had just been patient, he still would have received the money, but we're not talking about a patient man. I think he's gone a bit past being patient now by the sounds of it. Absolutely. He's the, now in desperation. The addiction <laughs> has really taken hold. So all he can think about is how to get hold of this money and how Percy might meet an untimely end. Or a timely end, in this case. An untimely end? A timely... Well, timely for, for Lampson. Untimely for Percy. Untimely for Percy. Poor Percy. So, with his plan in mind, Dr. Lampson sets about choosing a poison for his task. Can you guess what poison he went for? Well, you said it wasn't cyanide. It wasn't cyanide. I'm going to go with arsenic. That seemed to be quite popular in the Victorian age. It wasn't arsenic. Ooh, uh, how intriguing. Mm. I'm running out of poisons that I know off the top of my head. <laughs> what, two? Two, yeah. This is a great start to this podcast, it's impressive, isn't, it? isn't it? I have two poisons that I know, and that's what happened to everyone. I have more cocktails. That's true. Well, let me educate you, Nick. This one is a fairly obscure one. It is well known to certain people, but it isn't necessarily the one that leaps to mind. It is asinatine. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Yeah, Asinat- I've not heard of that. Asinatine is also known as monkshood. That I have heard of. Or in some cases, Wolfsbane. That I have heard of. I didn't know that they were the same thing. Monkshood mainly, but there have been references to it being Wolfsbane, which is also made famous in uh, in the Dra- in Dracula films. In the in the book? Is it a reference in the book? I don't know. We'll cut this. I'm going to Google it. <laughs> Google it. Um, it's obscure because people don't think of it Im- immediately, but it is known as the Queen of Poisons. Nice. Some people call it the Queen Mother of Poisons. I don't know which is better, but definitely <laughs> it's a queen. It's a Queen of Poisons. Oh, it's a Queen of Poisons. It's gaudy. It's fancy. Now, see, I have just Googled it. Mm-hmm. And it's also known as Devil's Helmet. Devil's Helmet, which I Ooh, find quite amusing. That is quite. Oh, that's quite. That's um, that's a, that's an image because of the shape of the flower. It yes. Would seem. So it is a plant. It's uh, an alkaloid. This is where my chemistry knowledge is being tested because it's non-existent. Um, <laughs> it it's sounds an, very impressive. <laughs> it's an alkaloid, and the plant itself that it comes from is reportedly the most poisonous plant in Europe. This plant was um, reportedly used on arrowheads to hunt wolves. That's where the wolf Spain. Ooh, reference comes from there you go there you go oh, it all links it all links if we want to go even further back into the realms of mythology it's I said that the plant actually came from the drool of the hellhound cerberus See, that's quite exciting as well that is quite that is an exciting I like that fact. fact i like a fact it is a stone cold fact right there it's a stone cold mythological fact absolutely <laughs> This is what we deal in. Cerberus Excellent. apparently drooled onto some rocks uh, during the trials of Hercules and the poisonous plant sprung from his drooly goodness. <laughs> I think we just said drooly goodness. We did say drooly goodness. Um, drooly goodness. 
So um, acetylene also has um, anaesthetic properties. If it's used in small doses, it can numb pain. So it was used and it's referenced a lot in folklore and witchcraft. Um, so it's quite common. But it's no longer used in modern medicine because it's incredibly poisonous this and advantageous. dangerous. There were um, many cases over history of it accident- causing a lot of accidental deaths. It's very easy to overdose on it. Um, I believe it is still used in some traditional Chinese medicine. The whole plant is poisonous, but the root is the most poisonous part of it, or it's certainly uh, the most dangerous element because it looks quite like a radish like a horseradish. So there have been cases, one in the 2000s, I believe, where um, someone was out hiking or was out exploring, thought they'd found a radish, ate it, dead quite soon afterwards. That's not good. Was it a traditional ingredient in Dundee cake? It wasn't a traditional ingredient in Dundee cake. That would be a bad cake. Well, perhaps a tiny, tiny bit adds a certain hint of flavour. No, it wasn't used in Dundee cake. I understand. You're, I understand where you're trying to find the link here. I'm trying to find the link. You're trying to find the link. Just go with me. Come with. Come with me on this journey. Because also the almond martini is going down a tree now. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f- are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So I'll give you a description of the effects of asinatine taken from the book A Poisoner in the Dock by John Rowland. In massive doses, it is cruelly painful, produces intense pain, repeated vomiting, and makes the throat of the unfortunate victim feel as if it were being drawn up. That's not fun. So but then, unpleasant. to be honest, also, I think most things in massive doses are going to be generally <laughs> unpleasant. So. But Dr. Lampson had his poison. 
He had chosen his poison, a poison he was able to purchase in that day and age from a chemist as a doctor. And it was one that was reportedly undetectable. Handy. Handy. Handy for a poison. So he starts to put his plan into place. He visits Percy on the in his home on the Isle of Wight. He's also treating Percy at the time because he's a family doctor, he's a relative. He's making sure that Percy is well. During one of these early visits, he gives Percy some medicine, after which Percy becomes very ill, but actually makes a full recovery. Good for Percy. Lamson was giving him a small dose of acinetine. Oh, to test it out. To test it out. He wouldn't have been aware, necessarily, of how much it would take to kill you. So, move to the 3rd of December, 1881. Can you picture the scene? I, it's terrifying. <laughs> Lamson has gone to visit Percy and his headmaster at his school, the Blenheim House School in Wimbledon. When he turns up for this meeting to meet with Percy and to say hello to the headmaster, he makes sure the two of them are in the room. Lamson does not look good. The headmaster comments at this point he looks emaciated, he looks unwell. Lamson is clearly ravaged by drugs at this point. He is quite desperate. But that is when they decide to settle down for some tea and some sherry and a rather delicious Dundee cake. <laughs> The Dundee cake appears. At last, it's there. At last, we have come to the Dundee cake. The Dundee cake, which has been brought to the meeting by Lanson himself. Now, the Dundee cake is placed on the table and it is pre-sliced. It is filled with juicy raisins and delicious fruits. And Lanson hands out the slices of the cake. Very to particular slices to very particular Very people. particular slices. You can imagine at the time. Yeah, I don't want to get that one wrong. Again, keep in your mind that Lanson it does not look well. He is not the cool and calm collected man that you probably think most poisons would try to be at this point. But he hands out the cake. No suspicions are raised at this point. But this is where some of the ideas about how Lanson would go on to poison Percy differ. Some people say that it was down to this cake that he hands out and everyone takes and everyone enjoys and enjoys their individual slices. But then Lansom also does something else. He pulls out some pill capsules, a format of medicine. A format of medicine? That's a weird way of saying it, isn't it? Yes. Pills. A type well, of medicine. A type of medicine. A type, well, a, a method of administering medicine. I got there in the end. God, this martini's strong. <laughs> a method of delivering medicine to the body. That's worse, isn't yeah, that it? Really That's is. worse. Just say pills. It's just pills. It's just it's pills. People well, they didn't have a lot are. of pills capsules at the time. That was the thing. He takes out these pill capsules and he is extolling their virtues to Percy and also to the headmaster and saying that these are a wonderful way of administering medicine. He fills the capsule with sugar and he turns to Percy and he persuades him to take the pill in front of the headmaster using the words, Here, Percy, you're a swell pill taker. Take this and show Mr. Bedbrook how easily it may be swallowed. Right. Hint of an accent there. Uh, yes, indeed there was. <laughs> so you've got two ways in which Lanson is potentially poisoning Percy in front of the headmaster. Is it the cake or is it the pill? It seems a bit, if you're going to kill someone, to give someone a pill in front of the, the headmaster seems a very obvious way of poisoning someone. It does. But it so, was never mm. determined which one. Well, there were various arguments, various reports say absolutely it was in the cake. Others say it was in the pill. But regardless of which way he did it, as soon as Percy takes the pill and he's had his cake, Lamson, cool as a cucumber as ever, runs out of the building. That's not overly cool. Literally jumps up. And not at all suspicious. Not at all <laughs> suspicious. Jumps up. I have to get a train. And is insistent that he now has to catch this train. The station is minutes away. But he's like, no, 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 no. Must be going. Must be going when I go. Also, while parting, takes the headmaster aside or says to him, oh, Percy, he doesn't look well at all. He's probably not <laughs> for long for this world. This is not okay. Now, this is not a smart man. It, it's not a bang up job in it's, terms of... It's not a well thought through plan. 
so he's just insisting and saying to the headmaster, oh no, he's going to die. He'll die soon because of the spine thing. Obviously because of the spine thing. Runs out of the building, just shaking his arms, running down the the street and they're just sipping their tea, going, strange man. So Lamson has fled the scene. It is not long before Percy starts to feel very, very ill. Dundee the time, cake will do that to you. Dundee cake will do that to you. It's very heavy. It's very heavy. It's really heavy. And also raisins, they can mess with the stomach as well. But Percy really, uh, you know, I think he took it to new levels. Unfortunately, he was quite ill before I think Lamson even got on the train. He complained to the headmaster that he was not well. He was taken to his bed. He was later found on the floor by his bed in agony. Oh, I feel very sorry for Percy. Poor Percy. He was like, that's a lovely chap. He was. He'd done nothing wrong. A poor guy who'd been confined to a wheelchair is now lying on the floor, doubled over in agony and retching black fluid, thrashing so much that he had to be restrained. That's very sad. And this agony goes on for hours until at 11.30pm Percy dies. Poor Percy. That's not happy. It's not a happy moment. Poisonings generally aren't, but that is quite sad. It is sad. But Lansom at this point has fled to Paris. He he's has gone to ret- Paris. He's gone to Paris. That's impressive. He literally has run out of the building and got to Paris, swimming across swimming the channel, across. swimming across the channel in his emaciated state, running all the way to Paris, you know, ignoring Calais, just bypassing Boulogne, not even stopping for cheese. He's just going straight to Paris and he's there. At the meantime, the authorities are obviously suspicious. The headmaster is going, something is wrong. They start reporting this into the press. Lamson reads the reports that Percy has died, that they are suspicious. And he voluntarily goes back to England. Yeah, this is not a clever man. No, to, to protest his innocence, he walks into the police station to say, I would like to protest my innocence. Oh, it's a, oh, a bit of a double bluff sort of thing going, no guilty man would be so crazy as to come into the police station and give himself in. How often does that work? Particularly if you're a crazed, drug-addled lunatic who's swum to France, who has been shouting at a headmaster going, he'll die soon, I'm sure, while shoving cake in his mouth and throwing pills about the place. Probably the thing not to do is to walk into the police station. I think you're being a tad overdramatic. Or am I? (laughs) So Lamson is arrested. He's gone back to protest his innocence. Why he has done this, we don't know. The trouble was that Lamson understood that acetatine was undetectable in the human body. Lamson was basing this on his studies as a student. Oh, that would have been a long time ago. Yes. Ah, Forensic science science has caught up with him. Had moved on and he was not aware, he had not kept up with his studies, he was not aware that tests could be done to detect such poisons in the body. And one of the leading uh, forensic scientists in the country was in charge of the autopsy of young Percy, of poor young Percy. And he used quite a a strange method, probably not strange at the time. I think actually it was quite groundbreaking at the time and maybe it was used again. I'd never heard of this before. But he tested the samples taken from poor Percy's body on his own tongue. Right. (laughs) How? how, Okay. Apparently this person was, was known for being able to taste poisons. There are varying degrees about how he did this. Doesn't sound overly scientific. Well, whether he was able to taste it, there was one report saying, oh, he was the leading person in tasting poisons. And so whether he was able to actually taste it or it's just simply a case if he was able to take the samples, drag it across the tongue and the taste buds and it created a burning sensation. So he knew that weird bits from this boy's body were filled with poison. Oh, he's taken these samples from the body. Oh, he's taken them from Percy. That sounds very unnecessary. He has taken samples, he is tasting them, 
what they are they and they are from everywhere as well they're from the stomach the urine the the glands glands the glands and he's just dabbing this on his tongue now this doesn't sound this sounds more recreational than scientific (laughs) this guy's just a lunatic sitting in there and everyone's why why do we hire him you would have thought some sort of rat or something inject a rat with they did use that as a backup that's the back that's That's the the back that's the backup they used mice as a backup i think probably someone sat him down and said for god's sake please stop licking the patients this is getting upsetting for all concerned and your tongue is on fire (laughs) and you've gone mad could we not use a mouse i mean it's horrible to use mice in 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 lab tests but they they did they used mice uh they gave him the same samples him the mouse i've given the mouse oh what was the mouse's name i've given the mouse a backstory it's sad (laughs) oh his name was keith (laughs) but they give it they give the samples to the mouse mice uh and they die they die so it's pretty conclusive yeah. he has been poisoned. I would have gone with that rather than exactly. this is my time. So there is Lamson in the Old Bailey and he's found guilty of murder. It takes the jury about 25 minutes. And even though it isn't determined in the case of whether it was the Dundee cake or whether it was the capsule that they, was they the method, the they just knew that he had been... How he did it wasn't so much of a problem. It was the fact that it had been done and they could prove that he had purchased the asinatine, they'd found the register from the chemist, they knew he was there, they knew he stood to benefit from Percy, so they were able to return this verdict of guilty. He's, so he's quite, gone not guilty. He has. He he's has protested the whole time. Right. He has. He hasn't been overly vocal. He's been quite calm. He's been writing notes down, but he has gone not guilty. So they return a verdict of guilty and he is sentenced to death. However, there is a chance of a reprieve. But how? By none other than the President of the United States. Oh, yes. Who just happened to be riding by the courthouse. (laughs) (laughs) Who was visiting Bournemouth because he knew it was a lovely place. Visiting Bournemouth, looking through the window. No, no, no. (laughs) He goes to the old Bailey. No, surely not. An American there has been in the injustice of it all. No, Chester A. Arthur president of the united states writes to the home office so this was a big case and if you got publicity in the states it did in the papers in the states it was a big deal then it was an american abroad um and the basis of the reprieve that chester a arthur sought from the home office was that lamson's friends and family had a history of insanity so they wanted to change the plea to insanity allegedly his uh, maternal grandmother his great uncle and his aunt all died in the bloomingdale asylum for the insane bloomingdale's has since come on in the world (laughs) they asked and they sent to the home office as i said it was it was reported in the papers they said there was a deep feeling of sympathy among americans for dr lamson to be honest i mean things looking back i think i I give him a choice between i'm going to get hung i'm assuming hanging would be the method of execution it was or i'm going to spend the rest of my life in probably a not overly pleasant insane asylum i think i've probably gone for hanging (laughs) would have been a quicker way out i think the rest of your life in absolute squalor bear it in mind but the reprieve was sent and it did nothing it was turned down so the reprieve was sent through the 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 request for the reprieve was sent to the home office and it came of nothing he would still die and dr lampson was hanged at wandsworth prison on the 28th of april 1882 
He was hanged by the chief public executioner, William Marwood. He was the pioneer of the long drop. So actually his death was one of the first that was a lot nicer than others. Yes, it was a lot quicker. Snap the neck rather than strangle you. Absolutely. His neck snapped almost instantly. Um, Just before his death, his mind had started to go. However, during his final days, he openly admitted to his morphine addiction. And it was said that he all but admitted to Percy's murder. Whether he actually said the words, I killed yeah. him, but he alluded enough to the fact that people felt that there was a, an admission of guilt at the end. But there is a final element oh to this God, story. there's more. Is if not to compound the tragedy enough. Oh, is it, oh what, no, something horrible happened to his wife or something. No, his wife was fine, oh, as far as I know. Well, I, there was nothing about her wife. And, oh, his she, wife. Well, assuming she got Percy's money and was living the high life. Well, she's just getting all the money from all of her siblings. She's just sitting there going, counting her money. La, 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 la. Oh, my husband's dead. <laughs> Gone off topic slightly there. <laughs> the problem was that Dr. Lamson was apparently so afraid of the stigma around his death that he resorted to murder rather than ask for help. And after his death, his father allegedly said that he would have paid all of his debts and it would have helped him if only he had asked. See, that was very sad. sad. It's a very proud man. That's the story of Dr. George Lamson. It's a very sad story. It is a sad story. It's an intentional murder. Absolutely gone out there with the intention to kill this poor, disabled boy. Which is very sad. Obviously, we do like Percy. We do like Percy. Percy sounds like a lovely chap. Percy, innocent. But Dr. Lamson, but again, he's a drug addict. But to be pushed into such a desperate state... Mm. And to know, well, I'm assuming he must have known that his father was obviously relatively well off if his father could come, then on, come along later and say, I would have paid it there. But then, for whatever reason, not being able to go and say, I need help, I, can you help me? But you can imagine the stigma at the time. Absolutely. Oh, yes, it would have been terrible. Of having been this decorated um, army surgeon, he had had medals bestowed upon him, but he had just descended into morphine addiction, was trying to live the high life, was trying to be a respectable New Yorker in England, was doing everything right, but his drug addiction just took away everything. And he was just resorting to desperate, more and more desperate measures. Every to think that people would say that committing a horrendous murder is the better option than admitting you've got a problem was it just seen as easier because otherwise it was ruined for him and his family well, i suppose he probably thought it was easier because as far as he was aware the poison was undetectable he was going to get get away with it um person so was going to die Percy anyway. was going to die anyway what does it matter if i help him along a bit exactly he's is a horrible crime to commit and it's a horrible state to be in but obviously if you're a drug addict then you know you, you're not necessarily thinking in your right mind no. and if it's true with the family history of insanity or whatever that is obviously gonna play a part several members of his family ended up and died in an insane an so insane that's... asylum why can i say that it's insane asylum maybe i'm insane maybe commit me but also, we don't. I mean, we don't know if the father was telling the truth. You know, this is a time where everything is. Is then... that a saving face thing for him? Yes. Going, if only I would have asked, I would have saved my sons. Well, this is highly reported, as we said, in um, heavily reported in the American press and in the British press. He was quite a famous case at the time, True. and for people coming out and saying, "Well, how did this happen?" and this this awful tra- tragic turn of circumstances, particularly if the president of the United States is saying this is unfair, he should be tried for insanity. We're thinking the father of the accused probably is going to come out going well i would have helped him i would have helped him and also i mean going back to the president writing an appeal sort of thing i mean he must have been an incredibly well-known person mm. in the states to have that recognition if chester a arthur is reading the paper one morning over his breakfast and he sees this story then 
he must have been an incredibly famous person, not only to get into the paper, but for the president to recognise it and think it worthwhile of writing that appeal. It's time to go and to to interfere with the case as well. Not to interfere, but to... to, But to to, make that appeal. Yeah, to make the appeal on his behalf. But there we have the Alexander Hamilton link. That's that's, that's quite a tenuous... But it's there. It's there. But also, I think... I've got a feeling possibly that the Hamilton, Alexander Hamilton, not quite as influential and famous <laughs> as he is now, possibly. Oh, are, we, are we saying that Chester Arthur had not seen the musical? It's possible he, he had didn't... not seen the musical. Um, it was just like off-Broadway at the time. Oh, right. Um, so okay. it hadn't quite hit the big time. Um, so he hadn't seen it. But yeah, an intriguing case, isn't yeah, it? No, it's a really interesting. interesting one. Um, and it's a kind of... a. It's it's more of a moral dilemma maybe than some of the, the, the worst poisonings that we will deal with in this series. That's true, because you can get some which is, I've killed a thousand people. <laughs> which you killed a thousand people? You're just an evil bastard. Yeah, there we are. But this one, obviously, yes, a much more considered moral it is and people sit on two sides of the fence you know it's kind of addiction can do terrible things to people it should never justify murder and poor Percy did not deserve to die and did not deserve to die in agony and clearly it wasn't an elegant poisoning the big question I've got did he make the cake (laughs) (laughs) was he there just stirring the cake going (laughs) so it's a good image in my head he did well. It was there was a lot of debate about whether or not it was pre-sliced. This was a really big so this thing. This is like a in... Mr. Kipling <laughs> He brought it in and just and it just it was injecting the raisins with acetone, putting radishes in it. Just yeah, there we are. It's it's a bit of a strange cake. No, it's fine. Honestly, trust me. Gave him some cake and some a cake. pill full of poison. It's just mm. interesting that he did too. They couldn't decide which one it was, yeah. or both. Or both. He just was ladling everything like, with poison. He, he tested it out before. Didn't work. Gonna get in this time. <laughs> exactly. He hadn't done enough. So he was just putting it in the cake, in that, on his shoes. <laughs> he was just, you know, in his hands. He was rubbing it on his face. He put some on the headmaster. Just been throwing poison behind him as he ran. <laughs> Hurled himself to France. Yes. But there we go. That Possibly. is the, That is the story of Dr. George Lamson. Good story. Thank you for um, your story. Acetatine, uh, a really interesting poison uh, that we've discussed, is used in other cases that I'm sure we will explore. Look forward to it. On the podcast in the future. So uh, what do you think about Dr. Lamson? Do you think, do you have opinions? Do you have feelings? Do you have um, extra knowledge about acetatine as a poison? It, this case also inspired um, a lot of writings, a lot of fiction as well. So um, some of the stories that we know quite well from Agatha Christie and from other crime writers um, because of its subtlety. Uh, maybe not the drug out of lunatic. I think subtle is running out of a, a hospital, <laughs> screaming, a school. A school. Um, no, I put that in that he was running so, so out of there screaming. You've you thrown me then, haven't you? <laughs> so you've mixed fact with fiction and I'm getting a muddled. But there we go. There is our story. We will return next week with yet another tale. And another cocktail. And I've just about finished this one, despite it being really, actually it is quite unpleasant. It's not enough to make me stop drinking. No. Though I do feel quite drunk now. Uh, it, yes, it really does go to your head. It is. Well, it's just alcohol. It's got a bit of water. Has it? Well, it's got some ice. Oh, ice, right. I was just, why were you putting water in? Oh, I took it with ice, so it's got a bit oh, of dilution. Oh, that's, oh, that's what that does, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Magic. <laughs> it's all magic. You're the mixologist. You're meant to have some mystery around this. Oh, sorry. It never happened. <laughs> 
as ever please uh, come and like us on Facebook like us on Instagram uh, follow us on Twitter please leave us a review it really helps us these are the early episodes we are going to build more and more and more we'd love to hear your feedback and please share this tell your friends send us cocktail ideas send us ideas about how we can poison each other and make this stop um, but until you do we're going to carry we're on we're going to carry on going. oh we're going to carry on this is going to st- this is going to carry on thank you for listening this has been Nick and Sinead at the Poisonous Cabinet and remember always serve your poison the twist and always suspect the maid